Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, everybody. It is Trags Mike Petralia back with the latest episode of the Red Sox Beat podcast powered by the CLNS Media Network and our good friends, our official online gaming partner, betonline.ag, where the game starts. want to welcome in my old friend Alex Barth of 98.5, the Sports Hub. You can follow him on Twitter at RealAlexBarth, all one word. Of course, you can follow his great content following all things Boston sports at 98.5, thesportshub.com. Welcome back, Alex. How you doing, bud? Good, tracks. How are you? I'm okay. I cannot complain. Uh, we had last week off as the podcast took the uh, 4th of July uh, week off, uh, but we are now back in business and a lot to cover on this particular podcast. Let's, first of all, start, about, uh, start talking about uh, probably the biggest subject on the minds of the Red Sox, uh, and that is Chris Sale, his return on Tuesday in St. Petersburg against the Tampa Bay Rays. He was exceptional. He was really, really good considering what he had been coming back uh, from. And I got to tell you, Alex, the fact that they that he came back so strong, but they lost the game is frustrating if you're a Red Sox fan. Yes, mind-blowingly frustrating tracks because I don't know how many starts you're going to get out of him like that. I, I was surprised. He has the meltdown in Worcester the week before, right? And you know what yeah. that meltdown, that, that was not a, a, the actions of a guy who felt like he was ready to pitch in the big leagues. That meltdown told me he didn't believe he was ready. They were rushing him up because they don't have the bodies. I was ready for a disaster, frankly. And he came out and he pitched well. And I've made this comparison a couple of times. I look at where Chris Sale is right now. I just wonder where his body's at, where he's at physically um, to, to go back to the Patriots to Julian Edelman in the 2020 season, where he really just couldn't give the Patriots a lot. His knee was in such bad shape. Yes. He had the one game in Seattle. He had 160 yards in Seattle and it looked like he was old school Julian Edelman, but that was really all he had. And I kind of look at Chris Sale the same way. I think he has, you know, you can count on one hand, how many good starts I think he has in him this year. I think there's going to be struggles with his durability, working his way back, and you blew, they blew one. They straight up blew it. They absolutely blew it. They should have won that game. They had every reason to win that game. And instead, that was one of the worst losses of the year, all things considered, the way that game went after he came out. Um, and let's uh, you know recap here. Chris Sale was coming back from a stress fracture in his right rib cage that he sustained in February. 
Um, and the fact that he was able to throw uh, in 78 pitches, sale topped out at 96.9 miles an hour. He averaged 95. Uh, give him the 97. Come on, give him the 97. Okay, you know what? He topped out at 97. <laughs> there you go, Alex. There you go. Thank you. Thank you for fact-checking me. Uh, he averaged 95 miles an hour, 95.1, so we'll stick with 95. Um this was a far stronger sale than the guy who returned from Tommy John surgery last August wrote Ian Brown of redsox.com. And after the game sales, and I, I found this to be a great quote and that's why I'm reading the Ian Brown story. I'm not broken anymore. Sales said it's different this year. It's definitely different this year. That's all I've really got to say. I think he does feel like he's back physically. And I think that's where the Red Sox, can at least project some hope for the second half of the season. They have got to have him. I, you know, I know you suggested perhaps Alex put putting him in the bullpen. I think they need him as a starter to anchor the rotation. Well, see, this game is exactly why I want him in the bullpen because instead of giving you those five innings, when you don't know what's going to happen, imagine if you get that two Oh lead and then he comes in to pitch the last four or even three, the last four and you go to the closer, that's a much better use. Right. This game is exactly why I want to see him in the bullpen. I don't trust them to capitalize on his strong starts. And I hate I'm saying this. I do because I hate the way that the starting pitcher has been devalued in the sport of baseball. Yeah, me too. This is a case where you kind of need to go with it because your lineup is 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 night and day, is two sides of a coin on a day-to-day basis. They'll put up 10 runs in one game and then they won't hit for the rest of the week. You simply can't be wasting Chris Sale's good performances because I think they're going to be limited. You can't be wasting Chris Sale's best performance on days when the offense just decides, hey, we don't have it today. We're just going to pack it in. And they've done that way too much. I'd rather have Chris Sale pitch on days where, you know, you can actually win baseball games, which aren't that many days for this team right now. But, boy, if they had, you know, something on the back end of that bullpen there to win that game, it would have been huge. And they don't. I think that should be Chris Sale. I, I think you just hope and pray that these other guys that are rotating in there can give you five or six innings of two or three run ball. And then if it's a day where the lineup decides to play, Chris Sale can bring you home. Devil's advocate here, Alex. They didn't lose the yep. game on Tuesday night with uh, the 2 nothing lead that Chris Sale left with when they scored twice in the top of the fifth before his final inning in, in the bottom of the fifth. They lost because, A, they had a defensive blunder in the bottom uh, later in the game, they had a defensive blunder and they had a base running mishap. Those two things really were what conspired for them to lose that. What I would say, what, what preceded the, the defensive error was they have to go to Ryan Brazier, who hasn't been good in how long they have to go to him in a huge spot. They had to do that because they don't, they don't have anybody there. Right. The reason those runs score Matt Strom didn't put those guys on. Those aren't Matt Strom's runs. Ryan Brazier came on, allowed two of the first three batters he faced to walk. You just, you can't have that in that spot. You can't have that from the bullpen. The defense was a problem. I think, honestly, I think Verdugo was trying to steal home, which is moronic in that spot. But lefty pitcher on the mound, big lead off third. I think he right. thought he was stealing home. Those, uh, it's not to excuse those. It was all around poor performance. But it doesn't, it doesn't get there if you have somebody better than Ryan Brazier to follow Chris Sale in the sixth inning. Overall, I I would have to say I was encouraged, though, by what Chris Sale demonstrated 
on Tuesday night. I think when you're, and we're going to get to this, obviously the Red Sox are not playing good baseball. They have lost, no. uh, let's see, 11 times in six. They have lost 11 of their last 16 games. Their division record is still abysmal at this stage. Uh, as we record this on uh, July 14th, they are not going to be able to make the playoffs. They won't be able to hold on because as you mentioned to me off the air, they have too many games left in the division and it's in the division where they've been brutal. Uh, what's I don't have their record right off hand. Let's see. 11 and 23. They, uh, exactly. Thank you. They are 11 and 23 in the America inside the American league East. You're not going to make the playoffs uh, that way. You're not going to make the wild card. You're obviously not going to catch the Yankees. Um, that has got to be turned around immediately. The and Yankees. I, Go ahead for the red for the for the so I I did this the other day and this is this is on my Twitter real Alex Barth. If the Red Sox continue to pay at the, pay, play at the pace they're playing at, for the Yankees to finish with the same record, this is as of Monday. I don't know what happened in the last two days, but as of Monday, the Yankees would have to go twenty five and fifty three times stretch. <laughs> they're not going to do that. I'll, I mean, so yeah, I'll I'll give you the numbers. So they have right now they're eleven and twenty. The Red Sox are eleven and twenty three in the division, right? Yep. They have. Just under 54% of their remaining games are division games. It's 42 of 73 games left in the division. Out of division, they're 20 and 11. If you take that winning percentage, which is about 65%, and extrapolate that for the whole season, they'd be the fourth best team in baseball. That's a really good number, 20 and 11 in non-division games. Or, or uh, not 20 and 11. Um, they would be 2011. They're 65% non-division. Yes. If you apply those winning percentages to the rest of the year here, right? The Red Sox in their remaining 44 divisional or 42 divisional games go 12 and 30. In non-division games, they'd go 20 and 11. That leaves them at 34 and 31. They go 34 and 31 from here on out. They're not making the playoffs. This is rounding. However you want to cut it, you could also say 35 and 30. They're either going to win 81 or 82 games at this pace. They're going to be 500. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll get to it in a little bit. It is not outside the realm of possibility that these Boston Red Sox finish in last place in the American League East. The way that, and I don't know if you believe that the Orioles are going to continue I what, what they've been doing for the second half of the season, but that is a possibility. And I think, you know, the Red Sox need some type of kick in the ass. Uh, for them to get kick-started here in the second half, at least post all-star break, maybe Chris sale is what they need to have. Um, you know, Chris Sale's return is what they need to have happen uh, for them to get really kickstarted. Um, more on back to Chris Sale. Uh, this is what Christian Vasquez said after the game on Tuesday. I told him it was a special day for the organization and for us to have him on the mound again. It means a lot for us to see him back. Sale said, I was all I was really able to separate myself from that moment and appreciate that what he said meant a lot. You just kind of carry it throughout the game. That was important to me. That's the relationship, the bond between Christian Vasquez, the catcher, and Chris Sale, the picture. Um, you know, it is a, a sign that I think he is, first of all, very well respected. He is a leader on that team. And if he comes in with that kind of intensity, I think that is something the team can build off of. Certainly. I, I absolutely think it is. Um, the question is, can he maintain that? And is it going to be too little too late? Right. He's just, you know, one pitcher. They the, the rotation behind him. They need a Valdi back with lock back guys like that. Yep. Uh, 
No, I absolutely loved what I saw. Like I said, I, I wasn't expecting that. I was surprised. I think Chris Hill's just a gamer and he got in the spotlight and things clicked and you love to see that. And that's what made him as dominant as he was earlier in his career. And you hope that he can recapture that. The question is, can they do enough around him to make it matter? That is a great point, Alex. And, you know, more on sale. He threw 32 fastballs, 28 sliders, 15 changeups, and only three sinkers. The Rays swung 28 times, took 25 called strikes. Their selective approach kept sales with uh, total. He only struck out four, but that's because, you know, the Rays are pretty selective in, in terms of the way they um, approach their hitting. And certainly that was this, uh, the case against Chris Sale on Tuesday night. Um, look, I mean, the Red Sox have not played well in their first three games against the Tampa Bay Rays. They've lost all three of them. This after they, everybody celebrated the fact that they were able to salvage a split, which I think was kind of silly. I mean, if the Red Sox are going to be a player, and I chime in on this, Alex, they needed to do more than just salvage a split by barely taking the last two games at home against the Yankees. They needed to have taken three or four at the very bare minimum for them to get the momentum they need into the second half. Well, the thing for me is like, if you want to talk about the split, you know, you win the second two games, you win them in the fashion they do. If you want to talk about that being a jumping off point, a momentum changer, yep. a turning point in the season, like I'll buy that. It wasn't just a split. I think the way they won those games was impressive. But you have to capitalize on that. That's all meaningless when you lose three or four to the race, right? If, if they had won these first three, we're talking about, oh, that Yankee series was a turning point, even though it was a split, right? No That's question. Narrative. No question about so that. So I, I don't it, – it wasn't so much – at least for me. I, maybe there are some other people who are more naive about it. For me, it wasn't celebrating the split. It was, oh, hey, this team finally showed some fight against a good team, against a team in the division. Like, is this a sign of things to come? And then just, boom, cold shower. Nope. No, it's not. Total fluke. They are who we thought they were. They're a, they're an okay team that beats bad teams but can't beat good teams. Just cramming that right back down our throat. Don't, don't, don't get it confused. Dennis Green, they are who we thought they were. That is what this week has been for the Boston Red Sox. They've gone full – or – I guess that would be full Chicago Bears. The Bears are who yes. who are we the Bears are who we thought were. they were. Correct. But yeah. He is Alex Barth of 985, the Sports Hub. Follow him on Twitter at real Alex Barth. You can follow all of his content at 985thesportshub.com. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info find all of the latest odds news and sports developments including major league baseball scores all the latest fighting news and even next season's early nfl futures bet online is your continued source for all of your sport sporting wagering information from live betting the playoffs esports and much more Head on over to the website, or as always, you can use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online where the game starts. Back with Alex Barth of 98.5, the Sports Hub. All right, uh, we said we would talk about this um, down the road, and I think uh, it's come time to uh, kind of address the, the big elephant in the room. And that is uh, these Red Sox 
are more than likely right now not going to make the playoffs the way they're playing in the way the Seattle Mariners have come on out of the blue. The Mariners and the Orioles are great stories uh, pre-All-Star break, the All-Star game, of course, next Tuesday uh, in L.A. at Dodger Stadium. And I just think the Red Sox have to find ways to shore up uh, their lineup. They have to find ways, obviously, to shore up their bullpen. Uh, if we're going to have any realistic conversation about them making a push in the second half towards the playoffs. And even then, right they're they're more talented than their record suggests right now. I think they have their flaws. I think their bullpen's a major problem. I don't love their starting rotation. They don't have a first baseman, but Bogart's story, Devers, Martinez like that should be a great group in the middle. Alex Verdugo. And they've been great at times. And that's why I feel confident in saying this, because they have been great at times. I think the bigger issue is the guys on the roster not performing consistently. If they got more of that, it becomes easier to figure this thing out. But they just, you don't know who's showing up to the ballpark every day. When they hit, they can't pitch. When they pitch, they can't hit. When they hit and pitch, they don't field. I, I like, I, I, there are, look, there are things they could address at the deadline. They, they need a first baseman. This team's, and, and this has been entirely under high and bloom, the lack of urgency to put players in the field where they belong is mind-blowing from just having non-first baseman at first base for the last two or three years. Guys are getting hurt over there, et cetera. They're screwing with Jeter Downs development, putting him at third. And I know he made a nice play over there the other day, but it's not his position. And it's taxing when you're playing out of, like mentally, when you're playing out of position. We've seen it affect guys at the plate. That might be what's going on with Trevor Story. He's playing second. They don't have a true center fielder. Like, Jaron Durant kind of is, but they don't even play him out there. Like Christian Vasquez is playing first. He's playing third. They need to sure that up. They need to get actual guys who play the positions that they need played. I don't know that they'll do that because they seemingly just don't care. But they need to do that, and then they need to address the bullpen. I don't know if it's enough. And then do you want to sell off pieces when you kind of need young talent when you're going to let all these guys walk here in the next year or two? But right. it's it's a really tough spot. It's a really tough spot. They put themselves in a really horrible spot right now. So what did you make? And uh, there's a reason I'm going here. Of yep. The Toronto Blue Jays firing Charlie Montoyo. I... Thought that was interesting. I thought it was interesting. Well, I, I'm interested to hear where you're going. So I think the, the Blue Jays are obviously pretty desperate to kickstart their team. And I think there are a lot of expectations similar to the Red Sox of what their yeah. team could have been. I'm not suggesting that Alex Cora is in trouble. However, sometimes a team needs a, a major shakeup. And maybe in this particular case, we're talking about a trade. Maybe in this particular case, we're talking about personnel change. You've already addressed the fact, Alex, that um, this Red Sox team seems to be toying with players and put, putting them in positions where, in, in some cases, they're not familiar and they just have to adapt on the fly. And I just don't always think that that is conducive uh, to a team finding its groove and, and getting, onto, getting on a roll that, like, the Red Sox need to get on to uh, if they're going to make a postseason push. No, I, I completely agree with you. And yeah, I, I think they totally could jumpstart things making a trade. The thing is, you know, they've set themselves so far back now. The kind of trades they need to make to really get back into the they're picture. They're not that. This, hold on. 
they're not that far back. I mean, they are in the wild card race right now. They would be a wild card team. And if the, the obviously, as you pointed out a couple of minutes ago, if the Red Sox got themselves into the playoffs and got themselves into a series with the Yankees, who would the pressure be on? Pressure would be on the oh, Yankees, not the, not the Red Sox. Certainly. But I think, you know, you have to play another series ahead of that. Now there's a chance they have to go to Toronto, which is scary. I, yeah, the, the, the point by, by set themselves back, I just mean like there's things like tiebreakers and all of that, where yeah. even if they get into the playoffs, they're going to have to play an American league East team, which to this point, they haven't proven they can beat an American league East team in a series. Right. So yes. they've set themselves back in that regard. They've set themselves back in, you know, you make de- you make trades. You still kind of try to figure other things out as well as you go. It feels like they've pushed all those buttons already. Right. Calling mm-hmm. up a guy like Brian Bayo. That's something you normally see in August or September, not in, in July. Uh, I just, I, I feel like they would need to make significant moves to content to, to get to that point where, it really feels like they seriously can do something in the playoffs to get to the Yankees. They have to get to the, I actually feel better about them playing the Yankees than I do a team like the Rays or the Blue Jays. You know, they have, I agree with you on that. Go ahead. They've had success against the Yankees. They've hit Garrett Cole. They've hit that bullpen. I think the Yankees have a little thing in their heads about the Red Sox. I do too. I think the Red Sox own some real estate there. I really do. That's not the case with Tampa. Tampa will whoop them. We're seeing it right now. Tampa is whooping them with half their roster. And again, with Toronto, are you going to have Chris Sale? Are you going to have Tanner Houck? Those are two, two of your most important pitchers. You don't know if you have them in that series. That's frightening. So I just, they're not out of it. When I say they set themselves back, I don't mean that they set themselves back as in if they add at the deadline, they can't, mean the play, they can't make the playoffs. I mean it as in there, there's so much they would have to do. And the road is so long. Is it worth expending the resources you would have to expend to really put this team in a legitimate spot to contend when, you know, who knows what's going to happen? And then if you start moving guys, right, if you start moving some of these starting pitching prospects, Chris Sale's a total wild card. You don't know what he's going to give you on a year-to-year basis. Of all these contracts almost up, like you're going to need these guys in the next couple of years. If you're going to let Bogarts go, you're going to need Jeter Downs. He's your future second baseman. He might not be a guy you can trade. I would even say, you know, Tristan Casas. You're not moving Tristan Casas. Well, now you're down into like the mid-tier prospects. Those guys might not get you the guys you necessarily need at this point to tip the scale. So it's a catch-22. I don't think there's any right way to go about it. They're in a tough spot. They shouldn't have allowed themselves to get into this spot, but they are. This is where they are. Okay, you mentioned Brian Bayo uh, a couple of minutes ago. Uh, his start last start was uh, the series opener against Tampa Bay uh, back on Monday. And he went four innings, seven hits, five runs, all earned three more walks, five strikeouts. Um, his numbers have not been great in his first two starts, both of which have come against the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, obviously he took the loss in that um, uh, loss against the uh, Tampa Bay Rays seven, one back on July 6th. So he has uh, had eight innings, 13 hits allowed, nine earned runs, six walks. Six walks is the concerning part to me in eight innings and seven strikeouts. What do you make of the two starts from uh, Bayo? He's not ready. I, it's nothing against him. Like there, There's a lot to like in there, too. And, and you see why the kid's such a highly touted prospect. 
prospect. I think the and, and he it, to add to that he didn't get a ton of help from the defense either, especially in that first start. I Brian Bayo's not up because Brian Bayo's ready to be a major leaguer. Brian Bayo's up because they ran out of pitchers. The average over the last ten years, excluding the pandemic season, which is obviously different because it's a different number of games. Over the last ten years, the minimum average for a team to like different players to start a game is nine or ten pitchers and. Some of that's guys on bullpen days, right? Whatever. But right. you're going to have nine or 10 guys start a game. That doesn't mean you need to have nine or 10 experienced major league starters on your 40 man. You're going to have guys who come up throughout the season, make their debuts. You're going to have guys pitch out of start out of the games out of the bullpen. The Red Sox, not including James Paxton, who wasn't going to pitch this year. Right. It does. This does include Chris Sale though. The Red Sox had five guys with major league starting experience on their 40 man roster to start the season. That's not enough. And Garrett Whitlock helped fill the gap. Sure. Like I said, you're going to have guys who made their debuts. Josh Winkowski felt like a guy who was due to make his debut this year, but they simply ran. They, the, the numbers didn't add up and they had to call up Brian Bayo probably earlier than they should have. And as, as much as I think the kid showed some stuff and I think he has upside and I think he can be a good starter down the road. He wasn't ready. He wasn't ready. The moment was too big for him. He was rattled. You could tell he doesn't have a really have a third pitch. I know he has that, that, um, slider but it's not great yet i think you can get there you really should have four pitches mm -hmm. he wasn't ready and now here you have this generational pitching prospect you're dinking with his development because high and bloom couldn't sign another guy with a functioning elbow that's what it came down to they didn't have enough guys with functioning elbows that's why brian bayo was up so am i a little concerned certainly he didn't look great bayo didn't but i i still believe in him as a prospect i still think he showed a lot to like he just got put in a bad spot because the team was poorly prepared. All right. We're uh, going to finish up here on this Red Sox beat podcast uh, by getting some of your all-star pre predictions, uh, pre all-star game predictions. Uh, what do you think the Red Sox are going to do? And how do you think the Red Sox are going to perform in the all-star game? Namely uh, Rafi Devers and Xander Bogarts. I wonder if Raphael Devers, is gonna how involved he's gonna be with his injury, right? I yeah, his back. Surprised. If he wants, if he wants to take it easy, if the team wants him to take it easy, so what he might get one at bat. If that, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see a ton of him. Sander Bogarts has been on a mission. It's the national stage. He's got free agency coming up. He wants to prove he deserves the big bucks. All star game MVP is what you're calling. I I think we see something from him. I really do. Uh, with JD Martinez too, you know, who knows yeah. when he's going to get back. I think, I think he gives us something. I, I think Xander Bogart is going to have a game though. I really do. I think that's a, a distinct possibility. I was going to bring up more Xander Bogart's, uh, Rafi Devers, uh, talk as I'll, I'll do it. What the hell? Um, All right. does Rafi Devers back issues give you pause for signing him to a 10-year, $350, 400000000 million deal. Nope, but the Red Sox are going to want to tell you that it does. Yeah, and I, and when, I, I exactly. Go ahead. Remember when we were on in March and I said, I can't wait to hear what the excuse is going to be. Is it going to be his weight? Is it going to be his defense, right? Why can't they pay him? He got a sore back one time. That's that's worth not paying a future Hall of Famer. That, that's the line they're going to try to sell you. Players get a little banged up. It happens. By all accounts, it's nothing serious. The wear and tear of a 162-game yep. season, I'd still pay him. I'd st he's too good when he's on. He's too I, good still, 
and, and and I think the and I haven't done the metrics and the cost analysis on his age uh, versus what he is probably going to be demanding uh, in terms of a contract, but he's still only 25. And if you're the Red Sox and you really want to hedge, you probably sign him to a more lucrative deal over shorter years if they can get away with that. You agree? Yes. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I it, I don't think the Red Sox are as worried about paying him more, a little more up front. Um, maybe let's say instead of paying him 25, they pay him 28 million a year. Um, if it means not having to be committed to him for 10 years and maybe be committed to him for seven. That's that's to me where the crux of the Raffi Devers Boston Red Sox negotiations are going to center is the length, not the money. Right. Well, because they don't like signing older players i mean there's a history of this they don't like signing guys beyond their 30 i think in their in their ideal world the contract would end when he's like 31 32 correct so and he's 30 well he's 25 now and if you say seven years that puts him at 32 that would put him right in the sweet spot right exactly he is alex barth he does a tremendous job covering all things boston sports for 98.5 the sports hub follow his material there his editorial content as we like to say in the business at 98.5 the sports hub and please do follow him he is one of the best boston sports follows on twitter at real alex barth all one word also as always want to thank our terrific online sports wagering partner betonline.ag where the game starts for alex barth i'm mike petralia trags thanks for watching the red sox beat podcast powered by clns media